Sunday morning and welcome to our brand new series. Our focus is going to be on providing a, a resource that will help every disciple mm. have short, uh, palatable segment ideas that we can use when trying to introduce eternal biblical truths, and we call the building blocks, mm. to strangers or others. So in a conversation we can use these uh, skis to introduce concepts. Right. Now, we are going to have two different teachings today. We're going to have this one, that will occupy half the time. <laughs> and then, as God would have it, we're also having another shorter teaching on prayer again. Okay. <laughs> but this is the first installment on a series. We're going to work our way through all the eternal truths again mm. in a summed up version. Mm. So there was longer teachings that's still available on our website on all the concepts. Outside of time, God outside of time, the cross outside of time, how we fit into time, eternity mindset, all those things. Mm. Right. But we're going to start first with a bit of an introduction, mm. create context. Yeah. Then you have to concentrate on a short segment. We're formulating short little ideas that you can isolate one from the other and they'll fit back together <coughs> like Lego. Mm. And you can actually... Uh, use a little piece of the Lego. See, a, per, a kid will, if you wanted to introduce Lego to a little child, you don't have to show him what the entire set of Lego can do. You only need two pieces of Lego and show him they can fit together. Mm. And you've got him hooked. So that's what we're going for. Right, so what are we dealing with? So today we're going to start with the truth called outside of time. And uh, we'll refer to it as the keyhole truth. And the reason is because all of the other building blocks, or rather keys, you'll see fits into this keyhole. Uh, this truth also unlocks every other biblical truth. So... Um, Without this truth, it would be quite difficult to make all of the other puzzle pieces or Lego blocks mm. fit properly into their uh, proper place. It's pretty much like having a ship and a motor vehicle. Yes. Okay. In the proper place, they work perfectly well. Mm. Put a motor vehicle on the highway, no problem. You don't have to think about it. Okay. Put it in the middle of the ocean and you're going nowhere but mm. down. Put the ship on the highway and you're still going nowhere. So these truths mm. have to be fit into the right context at the right time for the right purpose. Mm. Then they work. Yes. This is the thing that makes everything possible. Mm. So, yeah. so if you think about sci-fi movies, they have this concept of a black hole being this transport vehicle from one part of the universe to another part of the universe. Um, like a wormhole effect. So this would function the same way. Um, also, if you think about it practically, sharing truths with another person becomes quite complicated if you try to mess with their doctrine. People get offended, they get defensive. Um, 
And so that usually isn't a very effective way of trying to share truth. But if you can get a person to just start asking questions, you know, activate a person to start asking the right questions, then you can actually get somewhere. Then you can introduce them to different truths that make the entire picture, helps the entire picture to make sense. So, today we're looking at outside of time. And what we all know and what we all understand is that the, the believing world in general has fit the biblical timeline, or what we know as the Bible, they fit it on a linear time frame or time scale. So we have, before the beginning we have God, we don't really know anything about that. Then we have the beginning, we have the Old Testament, we have the Son of God coming as the Son of Man, the cross. Then we have the New Testament church, and then we have the end, and then after the end there is heaven. And um, at first glance it makes a lot of sense. I mean, we have the Bible written in a somewhat chronological order. It starts in the beginning, it works its way through, and then we know there's some parts of this that is still in the future, it has not yet manifested on this side, and so we'll still wait to see what will happen. Um, every person is aware of the fact that we have a past, we have a future, and we are in the present. And so very practically, this makes sense. I mean, you can't almost imagine that, that it would have been done in any other way. Mm. Because this is a very practical and logical way of doing it. And yet, we also know from evidence, from fruit, from looking at the believing world as it is, that this time frame, this time scale, the linear time scale, leaves a lot of vagaries in the bigger truth and the bigger scheme of things. And we're going to look at why that is. So We can't blame them for having this perspective mm. and this is the generally accepted perspective uh, historically we've got to understand that this is the perspective that the Bible translators most probably had mm. that most church fathers had church leaders all through the 2000 year period has had so why? because it works our world works on this basis yes. a baby is born it's going to go to school, then go to university, then get a job, then have children, then get old, and then die. <laughs> it's a linear process. Mm. So, at the basis of everything, that's the way the world works. And um, they looked at the Bible, and there's a beginning, the creation, and then there's an end, when the Lord returns or when the world ceases to mm. exist. And somewhere, along, from our perspective, along the timeline to the past, uh, the Son of God became man, there was the cross, the resurrection. That became the marker in time mm, mm, mm. for us. And so the timeline that they're working with seems logical, and yet... The timeline actually is the one aspect of, of the Christian faith that led all processes of interpretation astray. Mm. So why? First problem with this timeline. Can we identify that? What's the first problem? Well, the first problem would be that the beginning and the end 
are on two extreme opposite sides of the timeline or the time scale. And that's one of the big problems because we have a on a linear timeline we have the beginning separated on the very opposite side of the end on this timeline. Okay. And then it brings us to that age old question we have to wrestle with the God that created in the beginning mm. is looking somewhat different from the God at the end. Yes. And then we have God becoming man right around the middle, and we're going, well, in most people's minds, in the middle. And people in the past were different, now we're modern people, and how do we deal with all mm, this? Because mm. things have changed. Mm. Yes. And we're heading somewhere. And um, yet the Bible says that Yahweh is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, without the shadow of turning. Um, and yet, that same Yahweh that is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, begot a son who became man, who died and was resurrected, who now was also God and man at the same time. And he is the beginning and the end. But and he is the beginning also and the end. And the Alpha came in here. So. Exactly. See how this timeline messes with our logical thinking. Mm. And there is a simple explanation for it. And this is where you want to start picking up on how do we share these things with other mm. people. Always understanding that the baseline for understanding, no matter who you're speaking with, mm. is the timeline. All we know is a linear timeline. If I want to do something, I'm going to do it in the future. Even if it's a minute after this minute, mm. it's still in the future. And what lies in the past, I cannot change. So it's solidified and finished in the past and not yet done in the future. Mm. And I'm living somewhere in between those two realities. But not God. This is where everything changes. Because we tend to think about God in the same way. Mm. So, we look at the Bible, we understand that we are living somewhere after the resurrection, in the church age, as they put it, not us, they put it, and somewhere in the future, there's heaven, eternal life, and all believers being with Him. Mm. Yeah, we wrestle with questions like what happens, what, what happened to the Old Testament people, yeah. where's people that have died now, and those things. Because we're asking these questions with a, a framework of a linear timeline. Right. What's the problem with that? Listen, this is how you entice people to ask questions. So we want to believe that eternal life and heaven and salvation is true. The only way we're going to find out is when we get there somewhere in the future on a linear timeline. Right? Even the Jews mm. um, had two groups of people in their society that didn't agree on the resurrection. The Pharisees and the Sadducees. 
So this is an age-old problem because of the linear timeline. And yet, we can at the same time accept that God exists outside of time, but it's not a reality for us because we have never formulated outside of time. So, when speaking to anybody else, Christian, anyone that's ever gone to church, we want to get them to think about the concept. Mm. What is heaven now? What is the new Jerusalem now? Before judgment day. Does it exist yet? And in what state? Is it going to change when, if there's judgment day, and then all these masses of, of redeemed people are released into heaven. Does that change heaven? Mm. So all we want to do, get them to think about the right question. Mm. Because the answers are in the book. So for the rest of this teaching, we're going to give each member of this church uh, exact, concise and precise concepts and questions that you can use, that you can have on hand, um, that you can use at any given time when speaking to another person or trying to get them to ask the right questions. So remember, we don't just want to mess with people's doctrines. We want to get them to ask the right questions because they can then, if they're interested enough and if they are searching for truth, they can then go to the scriptures themselves, go look at it. We never have to convince them of truth. The word will do that mm. for us. Not for us, but you know what I mean. So that's so all that we want to, to give everyone is those concepts and ideas and questions that we can keep on hand, that we can learn thoroughly, and that we can use um, as needed. So um, why would we want to evangelize Christians? So we, we are now going into... A season where we are equipping every person mm. in this fellowship to be effective when speaking to all kinds of other Christian believers yes. from all kinds of other churches. Not because we think we're just right. No. Because we want to fill in the blanks for them. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Remember, most Christians that we come across, most of them would have a, an idea or a concept, or an understanding that they themselves have been taught truth. That they themselves, most of them, have been through some course, they've been equipped to some extent. And remember, this is always very important to remember, people don't know what they don't know. Mm. And so most believers, or most Christians that you would come across, have all been trained according to this same one-dimensional timeline. Mm. The basis, the foundation of everything that they've been taught, the entire construct of the way that they understand the Bible is based, founded on this one-dimensional timeline, time scale, time frame. Because here's the handbook. It's divided into Old Testament, New Testament. Mm. And there, just in that very um, established way of thinking, lies the error. Exactly. So the handbook they're using mm. has been presenting them with an error. Yes, yes. And a big reason that this is the case, remember, most of or the method that's being used to teach the Bible, to interpret the Bible, to understand the Bible, and this and not fairly recently, not in the modern era, 
basically from the first generation after that of the apostles, the system used to interpret and understand scripture has been a Roman Greco system or a Roman Greco mindset, a mm. Roman Greek way of thinking. Mm. Uh, education was constructed that way. Uh, uh, the way the mind works, the way information is processed, the way information is projected, the way mm. uh, decisions are made. Mm. This is all based in, the, in what we know as the modern world, basically since Messiah walked the earth, has been a Roman Greek process, a Roman mm. Greek system. That's right. The, the problem with that is that the entire Bible that's, that believers are trying to interpret and trying to understand and trying to implement was written by Hebrews. Mm. It comes from a completely opposite, a, 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 an extreme opposite way of thinking, way of understanding, way of life, way of interpretation, mm. way of understanding the world around us. Mm. So the Hebrew mindset and the Roman Greco mindset, and we have done longer teachings that you can go look at if you, if you want to refresh your memory, uh, come from extreme poles, if you will. It's a completely mm. opposite way of thinking and interpreting. Mm. And so most of the Bible is, we could say, well, the New Testament, you know, was, there were obviously Greek scriptures. It was translated from Greek. The fact of the matter is that even if it was written in Greek, the authors themselves were Jews. They were Hebrews. And so the way that their mind would work, the way that they would understand the information that they would be trying to communicate would come from a Hebrew perspective, not from a Roman Greco perspective. Mm. Now this starting point has been interpreted and understood from a Roman Greco perspective. And so most Christians that, we, that you would come across, that you would know 90% of them at least, would have 50% truth because they're not... Necessarily, just because they don't have all truth doesn't make them necessarily bad. So, 50% truth at least. But then there's 50% of just misunderstanding because it would be impossible for them to fill in the blanks, fill in the contradictions that they know there are based on this system, this linear timeline, number one, and trying to apply and understand the information through a Roman Greco mindset. And so always keep this in mind. If you're talking to someone who has been a Christian for however long, they probably have about 50% truth. And the 50% that is erroneous is not necessarily because of evil intent or try, you know, not wanting to understand. It's because the way that they've been taught the Bible, the system through which they've been taught the Bible, is going to leave them with misunderstandings, with contradictions, with gaps and most of them have just even though they know that it's there we have just said well it could just be that God's word uh, you know some parts of it will just remain mysterious some parts of God's will will always remain mysterious there's just parts that we'll never know and that's just the way it is but we know that that's not mm. true that's not right so we've had to learn to reconstruct the entire way we see the Bible to 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 um, correct mm. correct things so that we can understand the Bible. Now the Bible makes sense. All of it makes sense. There's no contradictions. 
but the, 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 the relearning mm. of things started with this concept, and we call it outside of time. So God outside of time, the believer outside of time, the cross outside of time. So their scale, their system works on this basis that in the beginning there was God, mm. undefined. So then there was the beginning, which is creation. Then there's the whole Old Testament, the Torah and the prophets. So uh, the whole story of how Israel gave, came to be in the promised land and so forth. Then the cross. Then everything changes. Mm. The church era after the resurrection. And that's all leading up to the book of Revelation, the mm. end times and the return of Messiah for his church. And that's how they place it. So, so even though it's 4,000 years and 2,000 year odd, uh, the cross is still somewhere in the middle of our idea of time. So what we have to now consider, to start off with, mm. is we have to, when we speak to a person, unbeliever, believer, seeker, whoever, we want to turn the key for them mm. in their way of thinking. We want to direct them to a place where they start asking the questions that need to be asked. Yes. That's the first step. Yes. So we can't just tell them what to believe. Yes, you can't just tell them they're wrong. Why? Why are they wrong? Every, everything they understand is based on this system. Mm. Why is it just wrong if everyone is thinking the same way? If everyone is interpreting it the same way, if they're all starting from the same foundation, mm. why, why and how they can all you agree. say it's wrong? They yes. all agree. And this is why we've been stuck for 2,000 years, because they're agreeing on the wrong thing. Now, if you can get the person to look at the question and find the answers, it's logic from there. Mm. It makes a lot of sense. Nobody can deny it. As a matter of fact, we can prove very easily and very quickly that this system is erroneous. So, the problem is, like we said, is that the beginning and the end uh, lies on the two furthest uh, extremes of this equation. So they are situated, end and beginning concepts of all things are on the opposing ends of this timeline. While the Son of God, Yahushua, says that He is the beginning and the end. So this is what we want to achieve in helping people understand the Bible. We want to change the platform that they're using for understanding from the linear, where the Son of God and the cross is somewhere in the middle of time, to a place where the Son of God, as He has explained, becomes the beginning and the end. Not from the beginning to the end, but He becomes the beginning and the end. And we put places, we change it so the cross is not in the middle of time, but at the center of all things, including time. And so time becomes a circular concept that has no beginning and end because the Son of God is the beginning and the end. And the cross is ever-existing, outside of time, unchanging, neither connected to the beginning, nor to the end, nor to the center of the eight timeline. 
In other words, the cross has to be ever-existent, ever-powerful, ever-central to all things, ever-accessible, always there, always the same. The moment of the Son of God dying on the cross becomes the day, the day of the Lord. Because judgment has to take place on that day. All things happen on that day. Now this is why it's important. Because we believe that He, be he creates us, Adam and Eve, humankind, mankind. He creates in His image and likeness. What image and what likeness? Because before He becomes man, He's spirit. But if the Son of God died and was resurrected, paid for all the sin of all of the world, came into perfection, then went to the beginning and became the beginning and from that beginning created Adam and Eve in His image and His likeness, then we were created in the image of redemption and resurrection and perfection. Now we have just opened the door to understand salvation properly because most people couldn't understand it. But this is the concept, the cross always in existence and the timeline no longer linear. And this is beginning and the end in a continual outside of time existence because we know that God exists outside of time. There are certain questions that we can pose to people that will force them to look at the picture from the right perspective. To change paradigms, to change perspective uh, is not easy. Most people will find that uh, they have to go through a whole process where their mental faculties will have to learn to adjust. But there's easy ways to do this. So now we're going to deal with a few quick questions that we want to, in conversation, just talking to people, you can go like, these are the questions. So let's jump into some of the questions. But before we just start looking at them, let's uh, paint this scene. So you're at a bride somewhere, and as God would have it, you find out there's another believer in the company. A faithful person, really searching for God, but after a bit of conversation, you realize, oh, this person might have a few blocks missing, a few keys missing. And so you don't just jump on them and start correcting them or, you know, we've covered this. So in conversation, a good way to kind of steer the conversation, start asking the questions, start inspiring them, jolting them, would be to start with something like this. So what do you make of Genesis chapter 2 verse 24? And the person's probably going to look at you going like, I don't, I don't know what it, said, what it says. And then you go, where it says a man will leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife and they'll become one flesh. What do you, have, you, have you thought about it? Have you noticed the thing? And they'll probably go like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Well, some of them will be right and ready with an answer. So you go like, have you, have you seen what's, have you seen the thing in... Chapter 2 of Genesis, verse 24. They won't know what's there. You go, it says a man will leave his father and his mother. 
they'll have an answer and they'll be like, yes, it's talking about the sanctity of marriage and stuff. That's them stepping right into the trap. Because they're going to a Greco-Roman answer they would have heard in every marriage counseling or marriage preparation thing, this wonderful verse quoted, but nobody would have ever noticed the way it's written. So they step right into the trap. And then you go. And then you go, yes, but what's that doing with Adam and Eve? What's that doing in the beginning of Genesis? Adam doesn't have a father and a mother to leave. What's it doing there? Eve doesn't have a father and a mother. Yeah. God just created, finished wearing everything. What's it doing there? What's it doing there? And then, you don't just jump in and give them the answer because the point is not for you to try and prove that you know what's going on. The point is to get them to ask the questions. You just played a checkmate. Move. Move. Because mm. now... They're staring at all the concepts in their head. Mm. Remember, they have to work according to a linear time scale. Exactly. And what you just did is, you challenged the fact that on a linear time scale, there's no way that you can explain why that verse mm. is in Genesis chapter 2, uh, so verse 24. Mm. No way you can explain that way. Exactly. So this is why you don't just jump in and just rush off from there. You kind of give it a while. Watch their brains doing it. Because there'll be one of a few re responses. Either there could be a pride response. Kind of like, I don't know what you're on about. I actually don't want to be part of this conversation. So there could be an avoidance thing. And if they want to leave, let them leave. Or there could just be a pride response in the sense of, no, I just think it's that. Or they'll come up with some kind of other explanation to kind of... Because no one wants to just be wrong or mm. think that they don't know. Especially if this is someone that has been a mm. churchgoer, thinks that they know what the word is saying. So there could be a bit of a pride response. Mm. Good, at least they're interested. Remember, you want to bend their straight line. Exactly. Nobody's going to like you bending their little straight exactly. line. Because everything in our Greco-Roman life mm. has to be a nice straight line. Mm. And now we're going to bend it all the way around. Mm. So, you've got to be gentle. So, why yes. do you see them dealing with their confusion and their pride and the fact that, that you've just asked a question that they cannot possibly answer? Mm. You have to reassure them and go like, it's connected to a mystery. Exactly. It's, it, the mystery is all over the Bible and, and you know, what a beautiful thing that God is revealing these things to us. Another quick question. You don't want to give them time. You want to go like, if they have a, a huge pride. Yeah, if there's an immediate go. response, then that's if one you thing. See that but you also don't want to let them sit for two minutes in silence and then no. just make it awkward. You kind of want to, because you're enticing them, remember? You're helping them along. There could also be a kind of a humble, teachable kind of, oh my word, what did you just ask me? I don't yeah. actually know. what. what you want to reassure them and then go, so, there's... It's part of a mystery. Mm. This is where you bring in. It's part of a mystery that will unlock mm. huge revelation in the Bible for anybody that knows that this is there. It's all over the Bible. Mm. I'll show it to you in another place. You know the story about Cain and Abel? Yeah, so you go, so actually, related question. 
you know, you know about Cain and Abel. Everyone knows the story of Cain and Abel. They go, yeah. You go, okay, well, you know, we know that Cain and Abel, the only four people on the earth, two of them bring sacrifice, and God accepts the one but rejects the other. Why? What did what did Cain do wrong? You could even, to make it more effective, when you say, you know the story of Cain and Abel? What did Cain do wrong? You know, both of them bring sacrifices. Mm-hmm. Um, there's only four people on earth. Both bring sacrifices. One brings the grain and the produce of the earth. The other one brings a sheep. What did Cain do wrong? Mm-hmm. Same mystery. Same thing. These two things are connected. It's connected to another thing in the Bible, that same mystery. Let me show you what's the next thing you'll use. Then you go to Genesis chapter 14, but obviously you're not going to like page around teaching them from the Bible. So you go, well, Genesis chapter 14, you know the story of after Abram just comes from the conquest and the war with the kings, and he's in the valley, and then Melchizedek comes and serves him bread and wine. Then you go, and you ask them this. What's Jesus doing there serving bread and wine to Abraham? And we'll ask it that way because you obviously don't want to you just can, offend him off look, the cuff. We can bring in the name Yahushua later. That's later revelation. Hmm. Okay, we know that if we're going to lead a person into looking at outside of time hmm. with all the prophetic revelation behind it, then we can't possibly really be talking about the Jesus uh, principality of mm. this world. Now we're talking about the Son of God. Mm. And many will get to know him in the beginning as Jesus. So we go, what did Jesus do in the Old Testament serving the bread and the wine, the Last Supper, mm. the, Lord's the Lord's Supper, Supper to Abraham? That's Melchizedek. Look at what he's doing. He's the high priest. Who's the high priest? What is he serving? And he's serving it to Abraham. Okay, so this is the same mystery. And that's how you get them interested to start <laughs> asking questions about why didn't I know these things before? Mm. And you know that a person that has had a linear timescale to his Bible, to his interpretation of the Bible, uh, his Bible school, all his discipling, all his Bible study has been based on a linear timescale, beginning of the Bible, Old Testament, all through the Old Testament cross, all through the New Testament, end of the story. God in the beginning, and uh, then the Son of Man comes to earth, and then the end. If he had that system, you know that these mysterious questions he cannot answer. Okay, so the questions, simply, you're going to go focus on chapter 2 of Genesis, verse 24. There's a verse there that says, A man will leave his mother and his father, or his father and his mother, cling to his wife, and they'll become one flesh. What is this doing here if Adam... And Eve had no parents, no mother, father. What is it doing there? How could it possibly fit in there? This is God actually letting us know that the Bible, everything that's going to be revealed over a 7,000 year period, Mm. and the Bible itself doesn't work on a linear timescale. 
So That's remember, why it's there. Remember, when asking the questions, the point don't get lost. So you don't want to just give them the questions to the answers. The reason you're the answers to the questions, the reason you are asking the questions is because you want to lead them to outside of time, not to only the answers to the questions. So always remember that. So don't get stuck. Not about showing them that you know answers. This is about helping a person question the linear time scale. Mm. Because on a linear time scale, there is no way a person can understand salvation, grace, no way that you can understand the cross or the Son of God as the Son of Man. There's no way you can understand faith. There's no way. There's no way you can understand what Melchizedek is doing with Abraham in the valley of peace that is referring to a covenant. There's no way that you can understand how he's serving the Lord's Supper mm. to Abraham. With other words, there's no way on a linear time scale that anybody can understand covenant properly. That's why they came up with Old Testament, New Testament. Old Covenant, New Covenant. That led to very quickly in the church history, and especially uh, through the influence of the Catholics, that they came up with a concept where Old Covenant and New Covenant were completely two different things. Now, we ended up with salvation for the Jews in the Old Testament had to be a different thing than salvation for a believer, the church uh, era believer in the New Testament. Hmm. This created a huge mess. And then they had to create all kinds of doctrines and explanations to try and fill the gaps. Mm. Because there was huge cracks in the building and they tried to use (laughs) polyfiller and sellotape to (laughs) pretend there's no cracks. Mm. Now, most people you're going to encounter, they know that there's a lot in their doctrine that doesn't make sense. They know there's a lot of the interpretation of the Bible that they have been taught in Bible school that doesn't make sense. They, they wear all the cracks that's been polyfilled. They just don't know what to do with it. Mm. And they'll never figure it out unless we introduce them to a out-of-time truth that is the truth of the Bible. That's just impossible for them to do. So now, the questions that we're asking them is, what did Cain do wrong? Two sons, only four people on the earth. Cain brings the produce of his labors, wheat, fruit, vegetables. Abel brings a lamb. If you have to answer to that person, you want to go with the hook, you want to go, there's only four people, nobody's eating meat yet. Okay, this is where the answer lies. How do you figure it out? You figure it out by realizing nobody is eating meat yet. Keeping sheep makes no sense. Why would he have to bring a lamb or a sheep for a sacrifice? There could only be one answer. He's declaring his trust in the Lamb of God, which is the crucifixion, which is the resurrection, which will become the Passover when God brings them out of Egypt. See why these questions forces them to look at the concept outside of time. Does this mean that 
Salvation for Abel was based on exactly the same principles, the same provision as our salvation is based. You just blew the concept of salvation in the Old Testament out of the water. So, so you see what we're doing? We just want to open up. We want to give them the keys that we've worked so hard to get. Mm. We're going to go, go back to your Bible. Go question the linear Greco-Roman uh, system that you've been using, that they've taught you to interpret the Bible. And you can fill in all the gaps. So what did Cain do wrong? Cain didn't do what God told him to do. He did his own thing. What did Abel do is far more important. Abel was declaring salvation by the Lamb. This means that that proves that the traditional accepted way that the Christian world has been looking at Old Testament, New Testament and salvation specifically has been erroneous, lacking in substance, lacking in the interpretation because of the system that they're using for interpretation. Right. For you, you need to understand this concept to understand what you are doing when you're presented with an opportunity. The person that's standing in front of you wants to be prepared to receive the gift that you want to give them. The gift is to show them that the possibility exists, that there's no such thing as a linear timeline, that the cross exists outside of time at all times. And that's why you want to go from the Melchizedek, what did Cain do wrong, what is the scripture doing in Genesis? You want to use all those to get you to one big concept. By using these examples of outside of time throughout the Bible, you want to lead them to this one reality that if the cross is outside of time, then what does it mean? What does it mean for when judgment day is? We want to eventually bring them there. The way you're going to do that is by using those three examples and then leading them into the perfect situation where you go. You say that you are basing your confidence for eternal life on the fact that you are washed by the blood of the Lamb. So you had to go to the cross to be saved. How did you get to the cross if the cross existed 2,000 years ago? How did you get to the cross? Because you're basing your whole testimony on the fact that you were washed by the Lamb. How? The blood was shed 2,000 years ago. The wood of that cross has long since disintegrated. And yet you went to the cross. You and I both know that if you are saved, you had to go to the cross. So by believing this, you already believe the cross outside of time. You just didn't know what that was that you believed. Because you went there. You have first-hand experience in the fact that the cross exists outside of time because you went there in the last 50 years at least, which is a very recent. How did you get there? It means you had to step out of one realm into the other realm. 
you had to cross over that dividing line because between the realm of earth and the realm of heaven. You did that. And you did that before you understood any of the doctrine. So the very starting point of faith for you was this mystery, this key to interpreting the Bible, the fact that God exists outside of time. The cross exists outside of time, and you stepped outside of time to get to it. Now this has to change your entire paradigm of all things. This is where you want to get there. Because this is the one thing nobody can debate. They can try. They will have to shut you down and say, look, I don't want to believe this. Mm. Or they have to say, okay, I believe outside of time, but I'm going to keep believing everything else that I believed. So they'll try and marry a linear timeline with the reality of outside of time. And the two cannot be reconciled with each other. We want to help them to see that not only is the cross outside of time, that the Son of God is the beginning and the end at all times.